Hello, and welcome to Northeast Christian Church's online service. We are so excited to have you here with us. Be sure to subscribe to NECC on all social media platforms. And to listen to our messages again, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Thank you, and enjoy the rest of the service.
service that it was preaching that led me to Jesus when I was 16 and that's what taught me the gospel and that's what saved me but it was worship God used worship all those years after I got saved to bring his deliverance to bring his healing to bring his power and his anointing on my life and I think he did that so that no man could get the credit no woman could get the credit because worship is just between you and your father and when you worship when you worship, you are finding your purpose. You are doing exactly what you were created to do. So if you've never lifted up a new song, I want you to do that this morning. If you've never raised your hands, I want you to raise your hands. If you've never danced in the presence of God, I want you to dance in his presence. I want you to go higher. Raise that hallelujah to heaven this morning. Let's pierce the darkness. Let's pierce the darkness over Lowell, over this territory, over Chelmsford, over Tewksbury. God, let's pierce the darkness this morning. Let our praises rise to heaven. And come on, intercessors, let's pray. Let's go deeper into his presence. Come on, we're going to raise our hallelujah to heaven this morning. We love you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Oh, sing it out. Oh, sing it out. We raise, we raise, we raise it up. We raise it up. Come on. I raise a hallelujah. called the children of God. Your children worship you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. 
today father we love you jesus and it's the love of the father that's going to change this community god and so we embrace your love this morning god would you change us would you transform us god that we would be broken vessels of that love and pour it out to our families god to our workplaces to our friends god wash away the bitterness god heal that bitter root god heal that anger 
take away all of that resentment, God, that we could just fully embrace that love that you have for us. And we'll love you forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Good morning, Northeast Christian Church family. My name is Marcel. I've been a member of this church for about 16 years now. And praise God, we're still here strong. 
by his grace, in honor of our mission mom. So every Sunday for the month of October, we're going to have someone come up and pray in a different language. And today, it's going to be in French. But remember, every tribe, every nation, that's why Jesus came to this world. Amen? Mon cœur est dans l'allégresse quand on me dit, allons dans la maison de l'éternel. Père Céleste, ce matin nous vous remercions de nous avoir donné le privilège d'être ici présent dans ta maison. Nous te remercions pour, te, pour tous qui, euh, qui sont ici présents, pour ceux qui sont à la maison, mais cependant ont l'honneur, le privilège de nous joindre ici à travers des réseaux sociaux. Merci pour le service d'adoration que nous avons à voir. Merci pour le message que nous allons avoir. Merci, Seigneur, pour notre invité pasteur qui va prêcher pour nous ce matin. Nous vous Demandons d'être avec nous, d'ouvrir nos cœurs pour recevoir tout ce que vous avez pour nous. Merci Seigneur pour l'Esprit, pour le Saint-Esprit de Dieu que nous, que nous savons qui est présent. Parce que la parole nous dit, là où deux ou trois sont rassemblés en ton nom, vous êtes ici. Merci Seigneur. Nous prions ainsi dans le nom de Jésus qui ton fils qui vive qui règne au siècle des siècles amen merci that was a beautiful prayer in french thank you marcel thank you worship team my name is lindsay i'm a member here i have been for about four years or so and i consider this my church home um, I'm just here to welcome you. So I pray you feel welcome. Um, we're honored that you're here because I know from experience it's hard to establish relationships somewhere. Um, and we know you could have chosen anywhere else to come visit, so we really appreciate you choosing us. Uh, our way of saying thank you to our first-time visitors is by giving you a gift. Um, if you go by the visitor center, uh, after church, swing by, you'll meet one of us who's there, and we'll give you a small treat for coming. Um, if you fill out a visitor card and come yet a second and a third time, each time you come subsequently, we'll give you another a gift. So our way of welcoming you and bringing you into our family is really by challenging you to come three times. We love you. We thank you so much for coming. Um, we know, again, it's hard to, to establish relationship, but we're honored that you're here. So again, thanks for being here. We love you and we cherish you. And if you could direct your attention to the screens. I asked you if I had to do that. You didn't say anything. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> no! <laughs> Hello, Northeast Christian Church. My name is Nettie, and this is this week's announcements. 
Our month of prayer has been extended through October. We will be heading into the church sanctuary Saturdays from 9 to 10 a.m. to lift up each other in faith. This starts on Saturday, October 8th. We hope you can join us. Game night will be happening on October 14th in the kids' main area. It all starts at 6.30 p.m. and a reminder to bring a drink or snack. Youth Connect will be held on October 17th during second service. Head to the overflow room in the back of the church directly after worship. Our next Server City outreach will be on October 17th at 12.15 p.m. This is where we go out into the streets of Lowell and help out those in need. Setup day is Tuesday, October 12th at 6.30. If you would like more information, email the church office. Hello, Northeast Christian Church. We have our biggest Sunday of the year coming up, Faith Promise Sunday. This is the time where we all come together and we pledge to missions. Uh, if you haven't gotten the biblical principle of tithing down yet, we encourage you to hold because we can't support ministries going on around the world if we can't support the local ministry first. However, I want to walk you through a little bit of what Faith Promise Sunday is going to look like. On Faith Promise Sunday, you're going to receive a card that looks like this, a Faith Promise card. And this is a covenant between you and the Lord to pledge a weekly or a monthly amount to missionaries around the globe. You'll be able to submit that at the end of service and then tear off the side section for you to keep and give the other section to us so that we know what we can tell missionaries this coming year. Again, this is a, an agreement, so I encourage you as this time approaches that you be praying, God, what would you have me give to missions? Thank you in advance, and we're so excited for this Sunday. At the end of Faith Promise Sunday, after we collect all of our pledges, we'll go upstairs and we will have our missions banquet. We haven't had one of these in two years, so I'm very excited for this. You can sign up to either bring an entree, a side dish, uh, anything that you think represents your culture well. We encourage you to sign up to bring that so that we can have a big potluck after second service on Faith Promise Sunday, October 31st. We're looking forward to seeing you there. If you missed any of these announcements or would like more information, please shoot us an email at office at lowellag.org. Thank you, and please enjoy the rest of the service. About um, 18 to 20 million people. Nobody really knows how many people there are. It's not European. It's not Middle Eastern either. It's kind of its own thing. So Turkey has more mosques than any other country in the world. The common thing holding Turkey together are two things, Islam and Turkishness. Turks are really wonderful people. Um, they're very warm, they're very friendly. But they're very much socialites. They care a lot about just shooting a breeze. Right now, there's only four to 5,000 Turkish believers in a country of 85 million. We have noticed things changing here lately, and we've seen more and more openness to the gospel just in the last year or two. It's crowded, but there are quiet spots and a lot of beauty, a lot of beauty in the city.
and those of you sitting in these wonderful, be beautiful blue seats. Um, we are excited. I have, I have good news to give you. We, about a month ago, two months ago, put out a vision that we wanted to have a mobile truck that could be heated for the winter, cooled in the summer, used in every kind of way possible to begin to make a difference with the homeless, with the, with the, the addicts, with those in need in the streets of our city. Yeah, I know, yes. And, and so we, we've really been working toward it. As soon as I pitched that vision, somebody came to me that day and they said, you know what, the Lord put this on my heart not to put this in investment, but to invest this in the kingdom. And right there, it was at that moment, I was fully, fully convinced this was exactly the direction that the Lord had for us as a community. And since that time, two, uh, one other person has given $5,000 on top of that. The whole cost of this trailer in its fullness of what we need is $45,000. And we are literally this close to getting there. And many of you might remember when we did Jacob's Well, we owned a tiny, tiny storefront right in downtown Lowell and people were able to, to come there. Now we have the ability to go where the need is, not just in one location, but throughout the city and with many, many other opportunities coming up. We just believe that we're going to make a difference here. But not only that, our church is committed to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference, not just here, but around the world. And so this month, the month of missions, we concentrate on, by faith, believing God for raising $80,000 in what we call faith promises. You know what faith promises? It's a, it's, it's a goal that God puts in your heart between you and him. And what we'll do is, is at the end of this month, we will gather all of those pledges together. And I believe with all of my heart, we are going to be above and beyond that 80,000 range. And we are going to continue to make a difference. Not one missionary has been dropped, not one request that has come in or one crisis that a missionary has said, hey, we're facing this, we need help. Have we needed to turn away and turn them down? And nor will we. And so I want to thank every single one of you for your faithfulness. I also want to uh, talk about something just in the light of last week. I want to thank Ben Phillips for talking about a topic that is, is challenging as a leader, but talking about the issue of giving to the church, giving to tithing. Years back when I was a, a new minister, uh, automated giving was a new thing. And so I set it up and just left it. But what I didn't realize was that it expired. And so my, my leader, my pastor came up to me and said, hey, Paul, I'm not, he wasn't asking me where you've been. He asked me, Paul, where are you at? And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, he says, you know, you, you, I know you, but for some reason, like for the past like six months, uh, you, you haven't given anything, and I just, not that it's about money, but, but it's, sometimes that's an indicator of where we're at. And the, you see, I had no idea that that had happened. I panicked, I freaked out. And you have to understand that for most of my, my life in ministry, my family and I have lived very sacrificially. There was no way that I could make that up. And he looked at me and he smiled and he said this. He said, Paul, he said, God is not a bookkeeper in heaven. He's a father and he loves you. And what if you just looked at it in, from as if he's your father, and why not look back at what has happened and just say, man, I, I'm going to keep a closer eye on that. But from this moment forward, 
I'm going to treat this the same way I do with every loving endeavor that I do with God. And I, I've felt a burden lift. And I, for some of us that are here, sometimes those things happen. Sometimes those habits change. Sometimes maybe even with missions giving, those things have fallen behind. What if we just look at this and not say that God is a bookkeeper in heaven, but that he is a, he a loving heavenly father and that we give him everything that it belongs to him. Three times a day, the Jewish people pray Deuteronomy chapter 6. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. It means basically whatever you have is his. When the prodigal son came home, the son that was staying there said to the father, well, you know, my brother shamed you and you throw him a party. I've been here all this time, dad. What, what's the deal? Why? You've never thrown me a party. And his father corrected him. He said, son, all that is mine is yours. I want you to know you have a heavenly father who loves you and cares about you. He knows your burdens. He knows your needs. He knows your home that may be in foreclosure, your job that dissolved during COVID, your benefits that might be drying up. Every single one of us has challenges. And when we give ourselves completely to God, God knows how to give himself completely to us, and he meets those needs because he is not a bookkeeper. He's a loving Heavenly Father. How many of you are here today and you'd say, I have a financial need that is overwhelming me. I'm losing sleep over it. Wave your hand real quick if you do that. I see that hand. I'm going to wave mine. I want to pray that your Heavenly Father will meet every need according to his goodness. Not because he has to, but because he wants to, because he's your Father. Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, we just come before you as your children. We're so blessed, but we're also so dependent upon you. And God, even though we have work and we do our part, help us to never forget that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Meet needs for families that are in crisis here, for challenges that have arisen. Lord God, for areas in our lives that we want to see victory. Lord, bring that and so much more through the power of Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. If you didn't get this booklet walking in, we'd ask you to grab it because it shows so many of the things that we do with uh, missions and what, what we do beyond the pictures that are on the back. There's also another pamphlet that's in there that gives statistics that helps you. And you can't manage what you can't measure. And this measures in so many different ways what's going on in the world and the need for the gospel. And so we just appreciate you. We thank God for every single one of you. And Today, it is my honor to introduce to you my newer friend, who I've known as an acquaintance for a long period of time. His name is Michael Brown. He's here with his wife, Polly, and the child that soon is to be named. We don't know yet. I think Paul's a good name if it's a boy, and Paula if it's a girl, but that's just me, you know. But God bless you. Could you welcome our friend, missionaries to Bolivia, Polly and Mike Brown. Amen. Amen. I think, I think if we were going the girl version of Paul, we'd probably just stick with Polly, but uh, it's, it's worked for so long. No, uh, we'll, we'll take that. We'll, we'll, we'll put that one in the book uh, of names that we won't be using. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I kid. I told him, I said, we, we, we have a name for the baby. We don't, we don't tell anyone the name for the baby because it's this amazing thing that we've experienced, and it has a lot to do with my family, it's nothing personal to anyone, is uh, people all of a sudden 
just think that they have a right to share their opinion about the names of our children when you tell them before the baby is born, right? And they'll give you all the reasons why you shouldn't name them that and all these things. But once they see the little baby and know that's the name, they will never really criticize to your face. They can say whatever they want behind your back, but so there you go. That's for free. That's free advice for anyone looking to extend their family. Uh, it's families ruin things. Okay, um, but not everyone. We love our family. No, thank you so much for inviting us. We're so, we're honestly, we're so grateful uh, to be here. I am, uh, I'm from Massachusetts. I'm from Malden, uh, born and raised, and then went on to, uh, to serve in youth ministry in Central Mass. My wife is from the Philly area, and we're living in Pennsylvania this year, but we really live in Bolivia, and my son was born in Costa Rica, so we're just really a hodgepodge of confused and uh and so it was really exciting to watch the flags come down the kids were adorable i uh, i noticed uh there wasn't a bolivian flag so i ran out to my car and grabbed one so my son was the one holding it without the stick so i was like we're gonna represent we're gonna represent bolivia um man god is awesome right like god is just so good and uh, I really am excited. I, uh, we have the privilege of going to so many different churches. And the thing that I get the most excited for is when I hear what churches are doing in their community. And uh, I just think that's such a testament to being the body of Christ. That's what we were called to be. And so we're just going to believe God with you for just amazing things to come out of this mobile unit and, uh, and whatever else that God would do in and through you. Amen? God is moving in Bolivia. Uh, God is, uh, he's been so, so faithful to us. We got back at the end of last year, so uh, I don't know if anyone noticed this whole COVID pandemic thing that went down, but uh, there was one anyway, and we, we, uh, we spent that in Bolivia, so we were in full lockdown there, and that was real fun, and uh, and then we came back here, and we've been here this year, and, and we're expecting another little one. We also have our daughter, our son, I, I just mentioned, she was up here holding the China flag, because since she's, what, four or so, uh, she has been telling us that God is calling her to China someday. And so she started learning Mandarin Chinese, and she, she will do anything. She used to get excited every time she saw something that says, look, it says made in China. I was like, listen. You can't tell me every time you see something made in China, okay? This is, I, get excited, that's fine, every time. <laughs> I just, not every time can you tell me that's going to be, it's going to be way too much. But, uh, but God is good, because God, God does that. God called my wife to Bolivia. Um, she didn't know it at the time, but actually when she was seven, she was in first grade, it was the first time that she heard about Bolivia, and God put it on her heart. And years later, we fast forwarded, not that many, because she's young, uh, but years later, God, uh, God spoke to us each individually about going to Bolivia, and I went to her all excited. I was going to tell her the good news, and God's calling us to Bolivia. And she, I said, I know where God's calling us. And she said, yeah, I know, to Bolivia. I was so mad. I'm like, how do you know this already? But God had already told her to, and, and so it's really exciting. Missions Month, not only here, but also with the kids, because God is going to do something. And, uh, and we're just excited to see what that is, and we're excited to see what he continues to do in Bolivia. What do we do there? Um, our heart 
is, is really for the outcasts and the marginalized. When Jesus declared his own mission, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And that word poor is really a reference to anyone who's marginalized and outcast. And so our heart is really just to reach those who otherwise aren't being reached and don't have a chance. The church in Bolivia is reaching people, but who aren't they reaching? What can we do about it? Uh, one main way that we do that is through ministry to the deaf. My in-laws are both deaf. We're deaf pastors for 35 years in New Jersey. Uh, my wife grew up in deaf culture. Her first language was American Sign Language. And, uh, and so we had an understanding of it, but we were in Bolivia one time in the jungle, and we were sharing that God had put deaf ministry on our hearts uh, as one of the things we do. And this pastor comes up to us in the middle of the jungle in La Paz, Bolivia, in Los Jungas. And by the way, Buenos días, que el Señor me lo bendiga. Muchas bendiciones y paz del Señor. I know there's going to be some that appreciate their language this morning. Yeah. Well, we were in, in Los Jungas, La Paz, Bolivia, and, uh, and this pastor comes up to us and says, you know, I need your help. My son is deaf, and, uh, and we don't know how to communicate with him, which is a very common problem. Actually, oftentimes the deaf don't even receive education. They're just kind of left to exist. And so he just wanted some help. His 20-something-year-old son didn't know how to communicate with them. We're giving him some advice, and finally my wife, having had this realization, just looks at him and says, listen, does your son know Jesus? This is a pastor. 20-something-year-old son. No. He doesn't know Jesus just because he's chosen not to know Jesus. He doesn't know Jesus because he's never had access to the gospel of Jesus Christ, even living in a pastor's home for 20-something years. And the reality is there are millions of deaf around Latin America who have never heard, not because they cannot hear, but because nobody's bringing it to them in their language. And so we just feel like God wants to do something about that. That while society might look down upon the deaf there and it might marginalize or outcast them, God does not because God sees his creations, his beautiful creations. And he wants to reach them too. We also reach out to at-risk kids, youth, and their families. A main way that we do this is through a ministry called Child Hope, formerly Latin America Child Care. It's a, it's a sponsorship ministry, 36 bucks a month, and uh, we'll get a kid education and food and, and medicine, and, and we'll help them with as many things as we can. But uh, it is what we refer to as a compassion ministry, much like this mobile unit is a compassion ministry, a ministry to show the compassion of Jesus Christ to others. And, and I just want to clarify real quick what that means. Uh, I, the best example I can give is this. If we see someone who's hungry and doesn't know Jesus, if we give them something to eat, but don't share with them Jesus, they're just going to keep on going on that same path to hell on a full stomach. Did we help them? But if we try to give them Jesus without giving them something to eat, they will never hear what we say over the rumblings in their stomach. We need to do both. It's not either or, it's both and. We help meet their known needs so then we can show them that they have an unknown need, an eternal need, and that Jesus is the answer to all their needs. Amen? There's power in the Word of God, and the Word of God is still changing lives. And so we've gotten to witness that firsthand. We also work with a, uh, helping some friends near the city dump in our city of Cochabamba, Bolivia. Bolivia is right in the middle of South America. Cochabamba is the heart of Bolivia. It's right in the middle there. So we live in the heart of the heart of South America. And, uh, and there's the city dump. And our friends had started an event for kids because there's lots of kids, impoverished uh, 
families that live in this community. And, and so they said, let's just do something about it. So one Christmas, about probably five years ago now or six, I keep saying a few years ago, and then I realize how old I am because a few years is never a few years. Anyway, they started doing an event. So 15 kids showed up to this Christmas event. They're like, man, that's great. Let's just do something once a month. And they started doing that. They finally just decided, let's just go all in and plant this church for kids. So it's a kid that was planted for, it's a church that was planted for kids. And uh, they now have over 150 kids that show up on Sunday morning to church. It's these little kids, and they'll get their little siblings dressed, and they'll tote their little siblings to church with them. And uh, the adults, they come later in the day. It's not for adults, it's for kids. And so the kids are meeting there, and God is doing stuff. They want to plant another church. We want to help them with that, help them with some after-school ministry and different things that we have uh, there. And so we're just thank thankful to God for the opportunities and for churches like this one that that you look beyond yourself, uh, first to your community and then to the world. May we always all look beyond ourselves to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, as the Bible says it, to what's local, what's kind of regional, and then what's global. Can we just have that heart set? Let's just pray and dig into the Word of God this morning. God, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for all you've done. I pray, God, that you'd be with us and meet us this morning, that you would speak not only uh, through me, but also to me, that the words that I share would not be my words, but your words, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to just launch into a, a message this morning from Mark 12, 13 to 17. This is what it says. It says, and they sent to him, being Jesus, they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you're not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing the hypocrisy, said to them, Why put me to the tests? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one, and he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. When we hear that, I hope the question that we ask ourselves is, what is God's? What is it that's God's? Because he says, give to Caesar what's Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. So that should be our question, right? <laughs> we knew what was Caesar's because he said so. The coin. It was the tax. And you know, that was the thing when I was a kid, I think I, you know, I felt like, hey, this is all about taxes and tithes. We give what we have to to the government uh, so they can waste it and um, use it. And then we give, we give our part to the church, hopefully so they can use it and, and never waste it. Um, and, uh, and they do. You are. Look at the ministry going out of this church. This is, this is what happens when we're, we're faithful and we come together and realize that it's it's the bigger picture, then, then God moves, amen? So thank you for being faithful in that. And, uh, and so those are important things, but, but I think what happens is we can stop there, and I think if we stop there, we stop short. See, because, because that just has to do with all that we have, and as we already heard, all that we have is important. We give it all to him, and it's so true. Every part of our being, it's all his. See, that's, that's a misconception, by the way. This is for free. This is outside of the sermon. Is, is sometimes what we tend to do is we talk about it like it's a priority thing. We give God the first. No, we don't just give God the first. We give him the all. <laughs> so, so it's not just prioritizing. It's, it's he is the priority. He is the only. 
And, and that's really how we need to look at it, right? Is, is that, now that doesn't mean that we don't get to spend money on other things. We hopefully all, you know, had something to eat and we have a place to live and sleep, hopefully. And, and some don't, I understand, but clothes. And, and we get to buy stuff. But see, it's because we're stewards of what he's given us. We get to administrate it, but it's still his. You know that we're owners of nothing? You own nothing. We don't own anything. It's all his. And he allows us to have it. And he blesses us with it. And I thank him for it. But it's all his. And so, yes, we give him all that we, all, all that we have. But see, I still think that falls short. Because if we really want to follow in, within the context of what Jesus is saying here, he gave an example of that which is God's. He gave us a, a proof and evidence of how we can understand it. How? Well, because he told us how we could know that the coin was Caesar's. How do we know that the coin was Caesar's coin? Because it had his image and his inscription. So if that which is Caesar's is that which bears Caesar's image, if that's what we're to understand, if something bears someone's image and it belongs to that person, well, then we can understand that that which is God's is that which bears his image. And according to Genesis chapter 1, that's us. We bear the image of God. We were created in his image. It's what separates us from the rest, the rest of creation. And, and so, really, it's almost like, hey, you can give this coin to Caesar, but you give your life to God. So we sell short when all we want to do is give all that we have, because really what God is looking for is all that we are. It's all for Jesus. That's the tagline. I love that. That's the mission's focus this month. It's all for Jesus. We're going to give our all, everything we have and everything we are. All. And really, if you're here today and you're a Christian, you're a believer, then understand me. The day that you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what you did was commit yourself to him. In fact, this, this scripture that is on these signs around the, the sanctuary, it says Galatians 2.20. If you read that, this is what it says. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am no longer my own. It is no longer Mike Brown that lives, but it is Christ that lives in me. When I was water baptized, what did that signify? It signified that I had died to myself, I had died to the flesh, and I was then raised to life again in Christ Jesus. I'm not my own. I've been bought for a price. And so I like to look at it this way. We're all kind of like coins. And on the face of our coin is the image of God, and that's where we get our value from. And so what, what we recognize about that is that if our value comes from him and from his image, then our value doesn't come from anything else. See, we get confused with that. Other things are important. Don't misunderstand me. Lots of things that we can say are important, but hear me. My value comes from who created me. My value does not come from the degrees that I have on my wall. doesn't come from how much money I have in my bank account. doesn't come from my skin color. doesn't come from my nationality or background. doesn't come from the fact that I come from the greatest sports city in the world. None of that matters when it comes to my value. My value comes from the fact that I was created in the image of my creator. 
That's your value. We're like coins. I have, I have with me a quarter. My wife's Aldi quarter. Someone knows what I'm talking about. This quarter is worth how much? 25 cents. Very excited to answer that question. Been practicing for Jeopardy over there. That's good. But uh, actually, the correct answer is what is 25? No, uh, it's worth 25 cents. How much would this be worth if it were lost? Still 25 cents. You know that a coin doesn't lose its value just because it's lost? Neither do people. Whether this is lost or this is found, it's still worth 25 cents. Whether a person is lost or is found, they still have value because they were still created in the same image of God. And, and the reality is that all around us, there are lost coins. You know, we were all lost coins once. But Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so that's how we know that we don't lose value because it was while we were yet still sinners that Christ died for us. It was when we were in our sin. Jesus didn't die for perfect people. He died to perfect people. And so he died for us while we were still living in our sin, in all our gross, in all our yuck. People say, I don't deserve it. None of us did. He died for us. He determined that we had value still. And so here's the problem. We have a world around us of lost coins. And they have value. And that's good, but value doesn't get us into heaven. Having value isn't enough. Understand me, having value is important, but it's not what saves us. What saves us is confessing Jesus is our Lord, believing in our heart that God raised him from the dead. He says we will be saved. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. So, so we know that there is something that is greater than, than, than just the value. So let me ask you this. If, if the coin doesn't lose its value, what does it lose if it's lost? And the answer is the ability to fulfill the purpose for which it was created. A lost coin can never be spent. It can never be used. It can never be offered. And that's the, that's the reality with people too. See, the, the lost coin, the lost person doesn't lose their value, but they can't fulfill their purpose. What is our purpose? To glorify our creator. That's it. We all have the same purpose. We worship him. We glorify him. And so really, the day that we accepted Jesus, for those of you who have made that decision already, the day that we accepted Jesus, what we did was it's, it's as though we spent ourselves back to him, offered ourselves back to him as a living sacrifice, Paul says. We gave ourselves to him. We said, okay, I'm no longer my own. I trust what you can do with me more than what I can do with me. So I give myself to you and say, have your way, Lord. And that was the day I fulfilled my purpose. Because I, I gave myself, I surrendered myself to him. So why does value matter if value is not enough? And here's what I believe. Until we see their value, we will never share with them their purpose. If we don't see the value of the people around us, we're not going to share with them the good news that they have a purpose, and their purpose is to worship their creator. And so we need to see their value so that we're willing to share with them the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Because let's be real, sometimes it's hard to see some people's value, isn't it? People, when I'm driving, their value is a little, a little hard to see sometimes. There are people who don't have a clue how to drive. And it's basically everyone but me, and I'm sorry if that offends you. It's just what I've learned, okay? Man, some people it's hard. Some people just annoy you. You know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You pretend. Listen, if God said we had to love our enemies, it means we get to have them, right? So <laughs> most of mine wear Yankees hats. I'm sorry if that's you, but that's just the reality. <clears throat> and they're all golfing, <clears throat> the, uh, the actual team. So anyway, the, uh, that's why I don't want to get into all that. But uh, no, but there are people that we don't like. Let's just, am I wrong? I mean, there are people you don't like. You know those people when they call you? And you have to decide whether or not you're going to answer their phone call. You know what I'm talking about. You're just going to ghost them? You gotta, what are you going to need to do? Uh-uh. That happened to me once. I was staying at Calvary in Linfield, actually. I was staying in the apartment there, and, and uh, someone I love very dearly uh, was calling me. And I do. I, I love this person. But you know, some people always have drama. Dude, if, if you don't know people that you're screening their calls because they bring drama, then you're the one whose calls being screamed because you're bringing the drama. <laughs> and this is that person, and they're zzz, and I looked at the phone, I was like, uh-uh. <laughs> I already got my PJs on, like I'm, like I'm in chill mode. I'm done off the clock. I don't get the two hours this is going to take. You know what I mean? And God spoke to me in that moment, said, they have value. Thank God that someone saw the value in me and shared with me the good news of who Jesus is. Amen? Because my wife will be the first to tell you, I'm easy to not like. I bring the drama. I know, I'm guilty. I'm guilty as charged. Jesus used the example of the coins in Luke 15, 8 to 10. This is what it says. Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light the lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there's joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And there was a, it was a party, it was a celebration the day that you accepted Jesus, you know that? And there's still joy. I, I, may we never lose that joy when a person comes to Jesus Christ. There should be excitement. I don't hate anyone enough to want to see them go to hell. Hear me. There's, I don't care, my worst enemy in this world, I don't want to see them go to hell. Do we care enough about the people? So here in this story, this woman is, is searching for the lost coin. and I was thinking about it one day, and I was like, man, who am I in this story? And, and I, I want to be very clear and very honest and upfront with you, because I don't like when people twist Scripture or anything like that. I don't think that the original meaning of the parable that we just read, I don't think that it includes us. Okay? I don't believe that. But I believe what I'm about to share is true to the Word of God. 
And so I'm just using it to, to run with it for the analogy's sake, all right? So we're all fair. Don't say, well, what the pastor said, I don't know. Who are we in the story? Because you know who we're not? We're not the woman in the story. See, because I believe in the three parables in a row, there's the parable of the, of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost sons. I think they were both a little lost. <laughs> in, in Luke 15, you can read all three parables. And in those stories, the shepherd, the woman, and the father, I believe, all represent God. Because ultimately, he's the only one that can find the lost coin. He's the only one that can save people. You with me? You know you can't save anybody? I can't save anybody. He can. And so, and so we're, we're, not, we're, we don't, we're not represented by the woman, I don't believe, because, because I believe that's more a representation of God. And we're not represented by the lost coin if we're already saved, because we've been found, praise God. We've already had that celebration. So who are we in the story? And I was thinking about, well, what is our role? Since we're not really in the story, let's look at Scripture. What is our job as Christians? Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go therefore, excuse me, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I know I talk fast, right? I'm like the English version of the Dominicans and Dominicans in the house. Come on now. <laughs> speak fast. That's all right. That's why I can follow. That's why I can keep a conversation in Spanish with Dominican. I'm like, all right, someone who can keep up with me. He said, go and make disciples. That's your job. That's our job. As Christians, we're to go and share. I like it. Paul says it this way. He says, in, in Romans 10, 13 to 15, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I was thinking about that. What, 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 what is our job in that? See, because people, in order to call on him and be saved, call on his name and be saved, they, they, need, to, they need to believe. But, but even going to the calling on his name, I, there was one time this guy reached out to me, uh, uh, an acquaintance, a classmate from high school, and he was very concerned, very, very concerned for how I was raising my children. Someone at the hotel yesterday told me basically I was a bad dad. I didn't like that. Right down the road. I was like, it's like oh, great example for the kids. I was like, I'll have you know I am a wonderful example to my children. Thank you. It's like, you don't know me? I don't need to know you. I'm like, what a terrible response that is. Of course you need to know somebody. Anyway, this guy in high school was very concerned because I was making my daughter a Christian. That's what he said. I said, listen, number one, mind your own bit. No. Number one, <laughs> if you think I'm indoctrinating my children to believe the way that I believe, you're 100% true. <laughs> we all do it. It's called parenting, okay? We all teach our kids their value system. That's your job. Your job is the teacher. If you don't teach your kids a value system, the world will. They're going to try anyway. Listen, and, and that just, as a, on top of that, I love the children's ministry at the church. I'm sure my kids are getting great things, and it's awesome. But let me tell you, it's not their job to raise your kids either. We got to be instilling that in our kids. And so I told them, I said, listen, just because your value system is different doesn't mean that you're not doing the same thing. You're telling your kids what to believe. Said, so, but number two, if you think I'm making my daughter a Christian, you don't understand Christianity because it's literally not possible. 
She needs to make a decision. I'm teaching her the way she should go. <laughs> but the Lord needs to direct her steps. I can't do it. And so we can't make people be Christians. Number two, they need to believe. We can't make people believe. You can't, you can't do it. I tried to once. I was witnessing to a guy, and, and I got to the point where I started trying to convince him. And God spoke to me and said, your job is not to convince him, it's to obey me. I said, all right. I'm just going to share what I'm going to share, and I can't be the one that's just going to make it all make sense. Like, I'm going to do a better job than the Holy Spirit could. This is what we think of ourselves, how arrogant sometimes we are of ourselves. Sometimes we trust too much in our own ability, sometimes. I do, anyway. Maybe you don't, but I do. We can't make people believe. And they have to hear. You know, you can't make people listen. Like, there are people right now probably on their phones within my hair, and they ain't listening to what I'm saying. I can't. I can't. And it's okay, I can talk about them because they don't know that I'm talking about them right now. So. <laughs> if you've got a kid, you know that you can't make people listen. Come on. If you have a husband during football season, you know you can't make someone listen. Or maybe during the World Cup, I don't know. Sport you prefer. My wife, they will. My kids will be fighting. Apparently they've been fighting for 30 minutes like I knew. My wife said, did you not hear them? She's all the way upstairs. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> It's a gift, okay? Don't blame us for it. It's fourth down, okay? It's kind of important. Take care of your kids. You know. They're her kids when they're bad, by the way. You notice that? They're my kids when they do well. You know that. That's true. But you can't make people listen. And, and then it says they can't hear unless someone preaches, and they can't preach unless they're sent. And let me be very clear about this. It is God who sends us. It is Jesus who sends us. I don't take my commission. I have accountability with the Assemblies of God. I have accountability with lots of people. But no man sends me. God sends me. Amen? And I don't mean that disrespectfully because sometimes people twist that to then all of a sudden, like, start saying whatever they want to say. No, we've got to stay true to the Word of God because it's His Word that sends us. But uh, He sends us. The one thing we get to do in all that is the preaching part. And, and I'll add this caveat. We get to preach in such a way that they can understand and hear. Even though we can't make them listen, we can say it in a way that they can hear and understand us. I can go through the streets of Bolivia and preach in English, and that's not going to do any good for 99% of the population there, because they're not going to understand what I'm saying. I don't get to say, well, I shared the gospel. It's their fault if they didn't. No, 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 no. You've got to do it in such a way they can hear and understand. By the way, that's back to that compassion ministry. That's why you've got to feed them first. Because someone can't hear over that. None of us could. Right? We, we, need, we need to have these distractions kind of out of the way so we can listen correctly. So I was thinking about that, and, and the worship team can, can come as we get ready to close. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of lost track of when I started and when I was supposed to end, so I'm not really 100% on that, but I'll just start wrapping it up. Are we good? Okay, okay. He says I'm good to go for another hour. You're good. Your pot roasts aren't going <laughs> to... I told you, man, we... We serve in Latin America. We don't, we don't do this whole time thing. What is this time restriction? So I was thinking about it one day, that story of the woman and the lost coin. Say, so who are we in that story? And again, we're not in the story, okay? But I think we're representing the story. What better represents us and Christians in that story than the broom? The broom. To say there was a broom? 
It didn't say there was a broom, but it says that the woman swept for the lost coins. And I can think of nothing better to represent us as Christians than an instrument in the master's hands as he searches for lost souls. Hear me. The reason I love the broom is because the broom doesn't get the credit. It's a humble job. On those occasions, when I decide to surprise my wife by actually for once carrying my weight and cleaning the house while she's gone, that's to say, because it's not like I did her job, right? I did my job, but it's just I'm proud of myself for finally doing it. And, and, and I've done that. And, and let me just tell you, what would be the most offensive thing if my wife came home and, and I just cleaned the house, if she came in and she said, wow, look what the broom did. You think the broom did this? And we don't got money for those little robot vacuum things, so don't try to throw that one at me, but I, I learned you still get to program those things, okay? They still don't work on their own. You think the broom did this? What do you mean the broom? The broom didn't do I did it. That's how you'd feel, wouldn't it? I just used the broom was just a tool. It was just an instrument. I did the sweeping. And listen, that's how it is with our role with God. It's never about us. We don't get the credit. We don't get the glory. None of it's ours because we didn't do it anyway. All we are is an instrument, a tool in his hands as he does the sweeping. I can't save people. I can't find the lost coins. But he can. And he chooses to use us in the process. So on the one hand, it's the humility of remembering you're just the broom. Man, that preacher today told me I'm just a broom. But on the other hand, it's the joy that you get to be his broom. I'd rather be his broom. I remember one time, I was, I was interpreting a church. I, I was pretty new to Spanish. And instead of asking for God to bless con su mano, I asked that God would bless con su pie. <laughs> Say, God, not use your hand, but use your foot. <laughs> and, and my dad said, because I told him about it, my dad said, man, I don't care what he uses. If he blesses me, it can be his hand, it can be his foot, it can be whatever it wants. If I get to be his broom, what a joy it is that I get to be his broom, because it's about him. We're not in Bolivia just because there's a need. There's a need in Bolivia, but hear me, there's a need in Tewksbury. There's a need in Massachusetts. There's a need in New England. There's a need in the United States. There's a need in this world. There's a need all around us. We don't go where the need is. We go where he sends us. Hear me. It's about obeying him. The reason we're in Bolivia is because God looked down and said there are lost coins and I'm going to use you to sweep for them there. Will you be my broom? I don't know where it is that God wants to sweep with you, but I know he wants to. 
And, and sometimes we're just going to pray and ask and say, God, show me the lost coins in my life. And let me be obedient that you could sweep with me. Use me. Here's the problem. Because the broom has a humble job. The broom has a dirty job. That's another thing that gets us, oh, but it's dirty. I don't, I don't want, it's work walking with people to Jesus. It's work. Because people get, people get issues. You know how I know? Because I'm a person. And I get issues. I saw that amen. My wife is the first one to say amen. <laughs> He's got issues. We just celebrated 14 years of marriage this year. This past week. She's seen the good, and she's seen the bad. Because we're people. But man, can we keep walking with Jesus and thank God that there are still men and women who are willing to walk with me? Are we willing to do the dirty work? But again, we got excuses. Listen to Jeremiah 1, 4 to 8. As we wrap up, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. I always think, man, that should be the most exciting news you received all day if you're Jeremiah, right? Before you were even formed. We were waiting next month our baby will be born. But already God has a plan and purpose for that baby's life. Come on, that's exciting. And it should drive us, it should drive us to fulfill whatever it is he tells us to do, shouldn't it? Because it's like, man, if you got that plan for me, you, you created me for this, I'm ready to go. But we got excuses. Any of you got excuses? I got excuses. I'm, I'm too shy. That's not my excuse. I'm too shy. I don't know what to say. Sometimes it's just we think we're too good for someone, if we want to be honest. If we really want to be honest, sometimes it's just, but whenever I go in that area, it kind of smells bad. You ever been in those places? I don't want to let them in my car. Excuse. Excuse of why we can't do it. Not that person. And I think that's what Jeremiah does here is give an excuse. Because listen to what it says. It says, and I said, ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. I can't do it. I don't know how. I'm only a youth. And what I love is that God's response to Jeremiah is so different from how we tend to respond to people. Because what do we say to people when they say, I can't? Yes, you can. Si se puede. Right? That's not what God says if you really pay attention to what he says here. He, in fact, if you pay attention, we're about to read God's response. He never even tells Jeremiah that he's wrong. Some of our excuses could be true. He never says you're not a youth. He never says, no, you know how to speak. He never says that. Listen to what he does say. He says, it says here, but the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. What God says is it's okay that you can't, because it's not about you anyway. I can't. The problem with excuses is that we make it about us. We're the subject of the sentence when we make an excuse. 
I can't. I don't know how. I'm too shy. I'm not able. And God's looking there and saying, when did it become about you? I can. I will give you the words. I will lead you. I will direct you. Will you go and be obedient to me? He doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's true or not, your excuse. Because it's irrelevant. Because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. So God changes the subject of the sentence. See that? I, I was a youth pastor. And we were raising money for missions with the youth. And I pledged $500 for the year as a youth group. And I was praying and I said, God, I pray that you would bless. It was a youth group of 12 kids. They'd never really given before. So I was like, this is pretty good. I said, God, I pray that you'd bless this pledge. And he said, not $500, 5000 I said, not 5000 500 I pray that it would be a good year. I pray that things would go well. And, and God spoke to me again. He said, not 500 5000 And I said, but God, you don't realize how small we are. God said, no, you don't realize how big I am. And that's the reality when we make excuses, is we think of our smallness. But what if we stopped thinking of our smallness and started thinking of his bigness? When you got problems, you got issues, these financial things we were talking about earlier, stop thinking about your smallness. Start thinking about his bigness. Listen, stop waiting for God to stop the flow of the river so you can step into the Jordan. And start stepping into the Jordan knowing that God is going to stop the flow of the river. Begin to walk in faith, believing that God will do what he said he will do in his word. But God didn't tell me to go. Yes, he did. But God didn't say, yes, he did. Start talking and he will come through with the power within him that he will send within you. We study, we prepare, and we practice. But at the end of the day, oh God, may we always be people of the Spirit. We got to quit with the excuses. Everybody can stand up. God, I just thank you. God, you are good to us. God, we are so imperfect. We're so broken. But God, but Jesus. God, I pray for the one here. Maybe there's someone here right now or watching online, and you would say, you know what? Mike, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm still that lost coin. If you're being honest today, you would say, I am still broken and I'm still lost and I need to give myself to him. I'm ready to fulfill my purpose for which I was created. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if that's you today, I just want to encourage you, cry out to Jesus and tell him you are my Lord. You died for me, you rose to life for me, and I put my trust in you. And that's not something that there's a special prayer or anything like that. It's just something, is a conversation is real as I just said it right there between you and God. But if you want help and you want someone to walk through you, seek out one of the leaders here at the church, whoever brought you or invited you online, reach out to somebody 
because they can be the broom to help you walk through it today. Or maybe you're here today and you say, honestly, all the other stuff is fine, but man, I struggle to see the value. I don't feel very valuable. I just want to remind you that you are valuable in God's eyes. And maybe someone needs to hear this word today. Stop walking in the guilt of your past and start walking in the promise of your future and your present. Because I want to tell you something. A dirty coin, a marred up, mucked up coin, it still has value too. And when God forgave you, he meant it. I, I know this was my story, so I know there are people like this, so maybe this is you right now. And I didn't even share this in the first service. This is maybe there's someone here, and you need to hear this right now. When he forgave you, he meant it. You don't have to keep, you know, it's like sometimes we ask God to forgive us of something over and over again. And the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he taken his tr our transgressions from us. And sometimes I just like to think of it this way. It's almost like we go to him and we're like, forgive us for this. And he's like, what are you talking about? He's already forgotten. He's already moved on. We need to move on. Trust in who he is. He's given us the clean linens. And we got to stop trying to put on those dirty rags. We do it to ourselves. So just walk in victory and in faith today. Or maybe you're here and you just need to say, God, I'm ready to be your broom. Maybe you've done it before. This is a daily day. Man, we beat ourselves daily, Paul says. This is a daily submission and sacrificing of ourselves to him. Where we say, God, today show me who are the coins in my life that I may be your broom. God, I just thank you. I pray that you would show everyone here who are those lost coins in their life. I pray, God, that we would be your broom. I pray, God, that when we have excuses, you'd remind us it's okay if we're insufficient because you are more than sufficient. That we are made strong in our weakness because when we're weak, we are strong because we put our trust in you and not in ourselves. God, I pray that you would challenge us wherever you want to sweep with us. I pray for this ministry from the church in Jesus' name. Right now, I pray that the rest of that money would come in for that mobile unit. And I pray, God, that it would be a prosperous ministry, a ministry that would see many souls saved and changed and transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All because a church is willing to say, here we are. Send me. God, I pray, show us in our own lives. God, I pray, encourage us. And God, I pray that you would empower us by your Holy Spirit. As you said when you declared your own mission, for the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. We need the same power upon us. We cannot do it. But you've given us power, and you said we receive power to be your witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. May we go forth in your power and in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.
Join me in this prayer this morning. First of all, before we do that, I want you to know, uh, many of you know Faye, or her son has been in a, a battle and with his health and in the hospital, and we just wanna continue to reach out and pray for him. And I wanna, I wanna begin there, and then I wanna lead you in a prayer. But Father, we just pray for Faye's son right now. Lord, that the healing hand of Jesus would just be upon him. I pray also that the hand of peace, the, the, the Prince of Peace, the Spirit of Peace would be upon his sisters and his mother and all of his family, Lord. And I just ask that you would just do a miracle. I want you to pray a prayer with me here this morning to just cover everything here this morning. Just, dear Jesus, help me to reflect your image. I allow you to make me your broom. Use me, forgive me, and help me to forgive myself. Lord, in the name of Jesus, for every single person here today, whether they felt like they've lost value, whether they continue to come back over the same things, asking forgiveness when you've already moved on, or even if we've never put our life into your hands, I believe that it's that simple. And so we just thank you for what you've done today. I just pray that you would open us up, Lord. Guide us. Help us to be all in with you. And we thank you for it all in Christ's name. Amen. You know, out of all the things that stood out to me here uh, this morning that convicted me the most, it was about cleaning the house when my wife's gone. I'm just kidding. I have no conviction over that. But no, in all seriousness, can we just thank them so much for bringing their family, for coming to share? And that was just such a powerful word. Thank you. We, we're pretty ordinary folk. We don't have much, but all we have is his. Amen? And so go in the grace of God. Be a blessing. Be blessed. And thank you so much for joining us today. Be sure to connect with them if you'd like to. Thank you again for being with us today. 
To listen to all of our messages, follow us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Spotify, and go to lowellag.org or ne-cc.org to keep up with all of our news, updates, and events. Thank you, and God bless.